Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Hi there, everybody. It's been a big week. It's going to continue to get bigger, I think, as time goes on and the information is going to be overwhelming. I also think that one of the things that's going to happen here in the future, which is really going to lead again and elaborate on the Great Awakening that's been taking place for any number of years now, is that this kind of information that is coming out, that is being revealed to endless people regarding, again, the horrors of the world that we really live in, who controls a number of different things, and uh, how that all impacts all of us, I think that it's going to find its way into more mediums and media outlets, rather, that are going to wake up people and start to wake up people who would normally be dead asleep to this. We know that the brainwashing that's been going on within the American K-12 school system is massive. We know that that's why it was, it was built. That was the entire point. That was the Industrial Revolution design, so to speak, the Prussian modeling of, of schooling here in America. And it's worked. It's worked without a doubt. It has created that Pink Floyd wall meat grinding machine where everybody stands in a line and then gets on the conveyor belt and then just does what they're told, looks the same, acts the same, believes the same things, and then moves on down the line. Only to rinse and repeat, of course, and then become teachers themselves and then brainwash their students, not knowing that they are brainwashed themselves. Um, th there are a number of things that, that I want to bring up in this particular episode a lot of education and even jab-related things, along with some very current stories that are taking place. But I want to start off by saying this. You know, the, you know the purpose of this show is to not just educate people on the education system as it really is and the depths of corruption that exist, but it's also to stretch out beyond that in order to educate other individuals about everything else that is going on to some extent to then bring them back and re-examine the education system and continuously shine a light on that so that they can start to recognize it for what it really is. As you heard me say in the beginning of the last episode before Dr. McCutcheon and I had our conversation, which again, I recommend people go back and listen to that uh, if they haven't already, or at the very least share it with other individuals, is that I don't know of another show. And again, I'm not tooting my own horn here. I'm just saying, I'm just stating what I believe to be rather obvious. I don't know of another show that's spending time on what is going on within K-12 education and higher education on a variety of issues, but in particular, these death shots that are, that are prevalent within all of these institutions and have been pushed on the staff members and the students within, and the impact that that has both in the short and long term. I just don't know of any other show that has done that. There's been the occasional show that will talk about a specific person or a specific case, but they aren't looking at the entire institution. There's not a single outlet that's doing that. The Blaze isn't doing it. Stu Peters isn't doing it. Maria Z isn't doing it. Alex Jones isn't doing it, other than the one time that I was on his show. And then after that, it's, it's not being brought up. No one on Real America's News is bringing this up. It's not happening. 
the entire education system in our country is collapsing. Now, that's a good thing, but the reason for its collapse is horrific. We would hope that it would be the truth and corruption and things of that nature, free of any collateral damage. That is not the case. It is, in fact, the, the lies and the corruption that, of course, are bringing it down, but the collateral damage is, is wiping them out. And by them, I mean the people who work within and attend these institutions. You've heard me say on numerous occasions that these places will cease to exist in the future, that they will have no choice but to move into a fully online environment. You heard Dr. Robin McCutcheon bring that up. That's what's happening at Marshall. These professors are moving their classes with or without the consent of their department chairs into online environments because everyone is ill. Either that or they're so afraid to be around individuals anymore because they feel like they're going to catch something from them. This is the only way forward. The only way forward is fully online because I think. Uh, it's going to be easier for them as institutions to hide a lack of enrollment, and it's going to be easier for them to hide a, a lack of visible students on a physical campus. I think the same thing is true with American K-12 education. I think that as the months continue to roll out, we're going to start hearing about more and more stories, whether they make their way to the media or not. Is another story. I think that they're going to have to because I don't think it's avoidable, but they too are going to have to move to an online environment. The difference between the K 12 and higher education approach, however, is that higher ed is, is going to try to keep it more of a secret, whereas the public education atmosphere is going to be far more public about it and yell about it more and scream about it more because they can't help themselves. Again, if you get in a time machine, and, like I said previously, and you go back to 2021, the beginning of 2021, it wasn't higher ed that was really screaming about, we need to stay online, we need to stay online. They were always looking for a way to get back to in-person even though the jabs were rolling out and people were getting sick and dying and whatever, they still wanted to go back to in-person. There were a lot of people, excuse me, in the K-12 environment that wanted to remain in the online, online way of teaching. And it was because of, of course, their own uh, you know, psychological problems, believing that, that something was real when in fact it, it was not. Uh, re regarding, again, the existence of this COVID thing that they call COVID. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it's not real. It doesn't exist. But the public K-12 education system just can't help themselves be, be public about a great many things. There is one thing, however, that they are working very hard to hide, and that is the health problems of the students and staff that work within their buildings. They've been warned. They've been put on blast. They know exactly what they've done, whether they want to admit it or not. We know the powers of cognitive dissonance are strong. They will deny wrongdoing at every turn, but they advocated for these shots. 
Almost all school districts and school boards across America advocated for these shots. So by my estimation, as you've heard me again say, and I'm just repeating this because I want to continue to get this out here because, again, no one else is talking about this, from what I can tell, school boards are going to do themselves in. And by do themselves in, I mean they will cease to exist also. Either from the shots that they themselves have taken, or the public is going to come to the realization that these school board members all across the United States were advocates of these shots at one point or another, and the public will tear them limb from limb. Again, you've heard me say, that's the shoe that has yet to drop. Parents of jab-injured children or dead-jabbed children showing up to board meetings and screaming at the top of their lungs that they were advocating for these shots. These are the people that are not going to be able to walk down the street. Because, again, they were a part of this. They were a part of this, in particular when it came to youth in America. All youth. This is going to get worse. This will not get better as every passing week or every passing month. These people are not going to become healthier people. If they're jabbed, they're going to get worse. Their health is going to get worse. So, my disappointment not only just lies with the institutions, although it was beyond predictable, uh, which, again, you've heard me bring up on numerous occasions. Their behavior is beyond predictable. They, they fall right in line with one another. They do what the other school district does. They do what the other university does. They do not think alone as individuals because that requires them to self-reflect, and they don't want to do that. They don't want to look inward. So that's why they, they live out on the periphery of the illusion, because it's easier for them to do that. It's very, again, that's why they call it a comfortable delusion. It's comfortable. It's comfortable for them out there. They think they're in charge. They think they're helping. But in fact, they've killed themselves, literally, and the people around them, literally. Some of them know this. Some of them do not. But they're going to find out one way or another. It's inevitable. Again, an acquaintance of mine has told me that local school districts, a specific local school district around where I live, is experiencing copious amounts of students that are complaining of chest pains. This is not an accident. This was predictable. And apparently, either district officials or individuals who work within the building, whether that be, again, the principal or the nurse or whoever it may be, is pushing these videos from two decades ago that are referred to as the Adam Project, A-D-A-M. The Adam Project, if you look it up on YouTube, had to do with a dad who lost his son named Adam, who died of a heart attack in the middle of gym class in 1999. It, again, is designed to advocate for defibrillators within American K-12 schools in case of such an event. So, let's wrap our heads around this briefly. We've seen the increase of defibrillators going up lots of places. I immediately, my brain immediately goes to the United Kingdom. Defibrillators would, are, are popping up all over the street now. 
let alone around schools, inside and outside of these buildings. I'm certain that many school districts, again, have had defibrillators in their buildings for a number of years. I'm not, not saying it's a new thing. My point is, is that they're pointing in a direction as if this is somehow normal. Again, it's like the, the, uh, you know, the giant bus advertisements that say kids get strokes too. No, they don't. There's only one thing that's causing all of this. And it's the shots that these people blindly took for which they can't name a single thing that's in it. We can name what's in it. We know what's in it. Copious amounts of metals, poisons, very familiar um, minerals and nutrients in order to trick the body into accepting these metals and these poisons. Nanoparticles, spike proteins, the list is practically endless. Self forming, uh, you know, nanotechnology, whatever you want to call it. It's, it's all of these things. But this is just part of the normalization of this insanity. And here's, here's, my, here's my thing, and this is sort of my end point with this particular subject. And then again, I have a few other things that I certainly want to bring up. It's not going to be uncommon for a singular parent with a child who experiences a health problem to blame something else. To say, well, you know, maybe they, maybe they ate something. Maybe they were participating in sports too much. Maybe there was an underlying heart condition. You know, whatever rationalization they want to use. But when that individual or that family knows of another who experiences the same thing, and then they talk with those people, and then those people know of more, and so on and so on and so on. You've heard me say, that's the snowball that will not get smaller with time. It will get bigger, and then it eventually crashes. And then that's when the first set of parents with the dead or permanently injured child comes to the realization that it was their own decision-making, their own pressure, and their own inability to question anybody about how receiving health at the end of a needle is not a good idea, that's going to be very difficult for them to come to grips with, but they're going to come to grips with it. Again, there will be no avoiding it. And as we know, in particular when it comes to the stages of grief, they're going to want to point the finger at someone else first before they point it at themselves. These school boards and these universities will not be able to handle that level of finger pointing. They already aren't. The decline of, of enrollment and attendance in these institutions is plummeting. It's crash landing. That's not going to improve with time. Look at the pool from which they're pulling. Universities are pulling from K-12 schools. Well, what have K-12 schools done over the last couple of years? They've jabbed the ever-living hell out of their own students. Not they themselves, but they went along with the entire PSYOP, which ensnared a great deal of people. And then, of course, as we know, if you didn't play along, what did the school do? The school disciplined those students for not playing along and for resisting the mask wearing, the social distancing, the jab taking, pick one. It's all of them, but 
I mean, they were suspending these students for not playing along. Those are the students that will survive because they're not jabbed. Those are the students that are going to make it. Are those students really going to attend a university in the future that requires the jabs or exemptions or mask wearing or distancing? Of course not. The university system has cut their lifeline completely off. It's not just turned off. The cord's been cut, and the cord has retracted in the opposite direction, as if it was being pulled so tight that it had nowhere else to go. It's a rubber band that's been stretched and then cut in both places. You can't even find the pieces anymore. They're both gone. They're gone. They don't know this yet. Neither of those institutions have any idea, again, what they've done, which I said in the last episode. They just don't know yet. But they're going to figure it out, and that is an inevitability. Now, I want to shift gears here, too, because there's a couple of subjects, of course, that have been occurring over this last week that I would like to address, because I have some different takes on it. And you may agree, and you may disagree. That's okay, but I just have a few takes. First of all, the Balenciaga stuff, it's quite possible, and I'm going to make this brief. We know that these companies are satanic. We know that they do these things. This is, this is, not, new. This is not new to us, which means, again, a lot of these revelations, in particular the fact that they're hitting Fox News, we've known about this kind of stuff for a very long time. It, it's just not information for us. This is more for the normies. This is for the individuals that have been dead asleep. And if all of a sudden this finds its way to Fox News and it crosses the eyes of someone who is older or someone who is younger, and they start to say, wow, that's really jacked up, that's strange, maybe, maybe it will pick up a number of different individuals and have them look into other companies and other symbolism and other things that are equally as satanic and evil. It's also quite possible that the leaking of those photographs, which were clearly intentional photographs, is some sort of a white hat operation in order to do just that. In order to, again, force it into the mainstream media and then force people to comment on it. So that's something I would encourage people to consider. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that exact same train of thought and I'm going to throw it right into the Tim Pool Kanye West thing. I tend to believe that Kanye West walking off of the set of Tim Pool's show was intentional. There was probably an agreement between Kanye West, Milo Yiannopoulos, and Nick Fuentes beforehand, which was, we're going to start talking about a number of different things, but once we start getting into the subject of Jewish influence within all of these organizations and these satanic groups and Hollywood and music and the medical industry and pick one, that if Tim Pool refuses to acknowledge the fact that, that's, that that is a fact and that the vast majority of the individuals who control those outlets are in fact of Jewish lineage or Kazarian lineage, if, if Tim Pool refuses to acknowledge it, we're going to get up and we're going to leave, and I'll be the first to do it. Here's why I think that was the case. If anybody's ever watched Tim Pool's show, 
and I have not. I've watched maybe two full episodes in their entirety. As you've heard me say about his show, in particular when Milo Yiannopoulos was on not that long ago, which is going to tie in directly to this theory of mine, and I can't be the only one that shares this, but um, it's beyond evident that Tim walks the fence. He's the Dave Rubin, you know, wearing a hat. That's about it. He's just like Dave Rubin and, and Conservative Inc. He's, he's these people, or the cuck servatives, as they're sometimes called, just these sort of holier-than-thou, you know, I've got, it, I've got it all figured out. I'm the pseudo-intellectual. I want people to believe I'm an intellectual. And it's evident, of course, that they've never read a thing from Ayn Rand, because if they had, they would know that being viewed as an intellectual or wanting to be viewed as an intellectual is a huge mistake. That's a huge mistake. And there's some other visual aspects of Tim Pool and his show and, the, and sort of those uh, bootlickers that are on his program where they, they play all sides because they don't stand for anything. And here's what I mean by that. If you, if you tune into even two minutes of his show, you'll see that behind him he has a replica uh, Revolutionary War revolver, flintlock revolver or something you know, right next to a, a samurai sword. Um, I'm here to tell you that if there was a real battle with real gunfire and there was a battlefield and uh, the shooting started, you couldn't find Tim Poole within 10 miles of that battlefield. He doesn't have the stones to actually fight in an actual battle. He's probably never even been in a fist fight in his entire life. He just probably hasn't. He looks like a person, and again, superficial, but he looks like a person who's never seen the sun. He's a rather pale fellow, if you know what I mean. So, you know, take the hat off, shave, shave the, the, you know, the middle school beard you have, and, uh, and, and sit there and, and let your guests talk. But I have no doubt again that it was a setup regarding Kanye West, and here's why. Again, who was on his show not that long ago and made Tim Pool and the other guys in the room look like complete idiots? It was Milo Yiannopoulos. I don't agree with everything that Milo has done in the past. He's stolen money from people. I don't like that. He's stolen money. He stole money from me. He stole $35 from me. Stole money from copious amounts of people. And Milo knows an opportunity when he sees one. He showed up on Tim Pool's show. He destroyed them. He wouldn't let them get a word in. In fact, if you're going to go watch, watch a Tim Pool episode, it's that one. Because that was the setup. I bet Milo left that episode. People were commenting online about how he tore, how he just tore up Tim Pool and made Tim Pool look like the fence sitter that he is, like the controlled fence sitter. Because again, why people give money to Tim Pool is beyond me. But Milo probably left there and then got on the phone with Nick Fuentes or Kanye West or both or whatever, and they had a conversation. 
And they said, why don't we set this guy up? And why don't we go in there with a plan? Because Kanye West isn't going to be president of the United States. But let's go in there and let's expose more of these conservative Inc. people for not being able to have a conversation about serious things, a variety of things. It didn't just have to be about Kazarians or, or Jewish control or anything like that. It could have just been that they were going to, again, hopefully let him talk about the pedophilia and the satanic nature of Hollywood and a variety of other things, the Balenciaga thing, pick one. In lots of subjects to talk about. But I think it was a purposeful setup and it worked. Because look what happened. Tim Pool now looks like a balloon with no air in him anymore. He looks like a person who can't be taken seriously even by members of his own audience. He just got outed as another conservative, as, as being controlled opposition. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It was, a, it was brilliant. If that's how it went down, that's, that's an excellent move. Set them up, knock them down. And it worked. Again, if that was the move, it certainly worked. Because for an entire day plus, he was the talk. Of, he was the talk because Kanye West walked out when he said he wouldn't say Jews or wouldn't say this or wouldn't say that. And then, of course, said, well, I want to have a conversation. I want to have a conversation. It was like, no, you don't. You don't. That's beyond evident that you don't. So that's my two cents on that. Again, it's people are being exposed to a number of different things, and they're being shown, even in, again, endless Q posts, that when you put all of your chips into one basket, it doesn't take much to tip over that basket. And then where do all your chips go? I mean, if you're going to put your chips anywhere, it should be God. Seems like a pretty good place to put your chips, does it not? Don't put your chips into this show. I've probably been wrong on a variety of things. I like to throw theories out there. I like to, I like to you know, critically think about things and, and share my thoughts and musings about what's going on. I'm right about a great deal of things, and it's being proven right now because, of course, the test of time is what proves people correct. But it's being revealed for, for people to see and for people to evolve at different paces based on that giant spectrum, which is a massive spectrum. And again, let me, let me just do this too. Let me give you one more example of what I'm talking about. And this is something, again, that I've brought up before. And this is one of the ways that you can tell who these people are and how deep they're willing to think or not think. If you want to hear someone expose themselves as being an unknowing person, okay, or, or not understanding the depth of knowledge that exists within a particular subject, pay attention to the words that they use. Because the words that are consistently thrown around society right now, and there are many of them, I would say at the very least a handful. Right now, we're hearing what words most frequently. We're hearing the words disinformation, misinformation, anti-Semitic, Nazi, white supremacist, and probably a few others. The one move that the people who use those words don't ever do 
and I mean they never do it, is they never go back in time to examine the origin of those words, who created them, because people, a human, created them out of thin air. Why did they create them? Who did they create them for? What was the purpose of creating them? And a variety of other questions that should be asked about the origins of those words. Now, I'm not going to spoon feed people this again, and I'm not going to I'm not going to bring this up specifically again because I encourage people to do this on their own. Look up those words individually, go back in history and research who created it, why, and what positions did those people have who created those words. They have the individuals who created those words out of thin air had motives. They also held particular belief systems and held particular positions. It just so happens that there's at least three commonalities right off the top regarding the individuals who created those words. In particular, again, disinformation, misinformation, anti-Semitism, Nazi, white supremacy, even the phrase conspiracy theory. The entire purpose was to discredit people by just calling them those names. They're derogatory names that actually do not exist at all in order to just discredit people. The other three things, again, that they have in common is that many of them, if not all, were, because they're dead now, Marxists, they were Jewish, and they were all in media and in journalism. It's no different than what goes on today. Now, are the same people that use these words all those three things? Of course not. That's impossible. That's impossible. But the word disinformation and misinformation isn't even a thing. It's a propaganda phrase that is used by the left and the media and Marxists in order to, again, immediately discredit people. Those phrases were used relentlessly in the Maricopa County Election Certification Board when they were physically going through online posts and calling them misinformation and disinformation. No one does that and says those words unless they're lying. That's the tell. If they say those two words, misinformation, disinformation, they're liars. Because no logical human uses those words because they're made up. They're pretend. If someone ever says anti-Semitism, like Tim Poole did the other day, when Milo, Kanye, and Nick Fuentes were on, it shows you how little Tim Poole is capable of thinking. Because if he knew anything about the origin and history of the word, he would know that two Marxists, well, one of them was older than Karl Marx, but the first guy who created it, came up with the phrase to again discredit anybody who criticized anyone of Jewish religion or Jewish bloodline lineage. The second guy who picked it up was a German Jewish. Newspaper journalist. 
and he 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 picked up the word and reused it and normalized it in the press for the same reason that you can't criticize people or where they come from or their or their decision making as a group you're just not allowed to do it so we're just going to call you a name and then that's it it's a blanket statement and everybody has to just believe it it was a made up phrase it's pretend the word nazi same thing created by a Marxist Jewish member of the media to again make fun of the National Socialist DAP party in Germany and all of the German people. The German people and Adolf Hitler and the members of his party didn't walk around calling themselves Nazis. They didn't refer to themselves as Nazis. That would be like the two of us, the two of us who listen to this show, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? All of us who listen to this show, walking around calling ourselves idiots or ignats, one another and ourselves. We would never do that. We wouldn't walk down the street and call ourselves stupid. We wouldn't walk down the street and call ourselves assholes. We wouldn't do that. Why would they do that? They wouldn't. It was a derogatory term created to discredit them and make fun of them and then normalize that phrase. Anybody using the phrase Nazi doesn't know what they're talking about. They don't understand the history of the word. That's a problem. Conspiracy theory, same thing, created by the CIA to discredit anybody who questions anything, in particular the JFK assassination. Just call him a conspiracy theorist. That's proven. That's in their own documentation. Countless people already know that, but that doesn't stop people from saying it. And the word conspiracy, I might add, of course, as you know, is on the law books. It's in legal text. It's, it's an actual crime at the state and federal level. Same thing. The word racism. It's also pretend. It's completely made up. A person cannot physically be a racist, ideologically or otherwise. It's impossible. It is, again, even the people themselves who refer to themselves as racists are stupid because even they don't understand the origin of the word. It was used, again, and created by Marxists in the interest of discrediting an individual or a group of person with a blanket statement instead of having to think. So when Tim Pool says, well, you know, I'm not going to talk about anti-Semitic stuff, Tim Pool doesn't understand the word anti-Semitic isn't even a word. The word racism isn't even a word. A person can't be a racist. It's impossible. That would imply, again, as you've heard me say in previous episodes, I certainly, memory serves did an entire episode on, on, on this, but the word itself implies that you've met and know every single person of that race on earth, and you've met them all, and you've made the determination that all of them are not superior to anybody else or this, that, or the other, or that they are all exactly the same and less than you because you are of a different race. It's impossible. It's behaviors that people don't like, individual or collective. But it has nothing to do with skin color because skin color is incapable of thinking. It's physiologically impossible. But if people get together and cultures get together and cultures behave a particular way, 
it doesn't even mean that those cultures are all the same in their thinking because they're clearly not. Just look at what goes on in the Middle East all of the time. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's just, I mean, the, the, the word usage matters is my point. Same thing with white supremacy. Who created that word? It wasn't Adolf Hitler and the National Socialist DAP party. It wasn't them. It was individuals in the Marxist media who happened to be of Jewish lineage in order to discredit white people. If they don't like other races, just call them a white supremacist. Just call them a racist. Call them anti-Semitic and a conspiracy theorist while you're at it. And tell everybody that they're spreading disinformation and misinformation, and then we will destroy them and they'll never have anything ever again. See how that works? That's it. So all of these people in these cuckservative and... Uh, Conservative ink groups that use those words, they know not what they speak of. They don't know. It's a really good history lesson. And I recommend that, that everybody, frankly, look up the origins of those words. Read about them. They're interesting. The origins of words matter. Because unfortunately, they're being casually used with such regularity that they confuse on purpose, which was their intent. That was the intent of all of those made-up pretend words being created in the first place was for them to be used with regularity. And then people just believe them without even thinking about it. And that's called indoctrination and brainwashing. And that gets people killed. So that's just another way to figure out who knows what they're really talking about and who does not. Word usage. Pattern recognition, qualitative reasoning and analysis. It's a big deal. It's a very big deal. Okay. Moving on. Education-related stuff, and uh, this is huge. This is huge. Jesse James from the Dangerous Info Podcast and Sandy sent this my way. There's a lot going on here, and it requires some slight analysis, if you don't mind. This comes from DetroitFreePress.com. It is titled, Out of Oakland, Michigan, Ex-Board Members Ethan Crumbly Should Have Been Sent Home, But Oxford High School Ignored Policy. Long story short, a couple of the former school board members of the Oxford School District up there in Michigan during the Crumbly shooting, who were present and actual board members during the shooting, have since resigned. They're now playing the victim. They're now claiming, as they have lawyered up, and their lawyer has clearly told them, we're going to paint you now as the victim, and you're now a whistleblower and whatever else, that the entire district and the administration within the building failed to follow policy, which is what caused them to not check the bag of Ethan Crumbly, not have police presence around him after he was brought into the main office, based on the information that they had of him, of the drawings he was doing and the things that he was writing, and then, of course, not sending him home. But I want to read through this as quickly as I can here, because then this leads into the most recent story regarding the trial, or not anymore, delayed trial, that's right, delayed trial of the crumbly parents, and the implications that that actually has for the entire nation, let alone the state of Michigan, and it's remarkably important and fantastic. 
But regarding these pseudo whistleblowers, which by the way, my two cents is pretty clear on this. If you're a school board member and this happens on your watch, it's your job to find the answers, not to stick your tail between your legs and run away and then play victim. That's not the point. If you were a school board member, it's your job to have an investigation take place and just fire the employees who weren't doing their job. That's all they had to do, but they didn't do that. They stuck their tail between their legs. They said, oh, you know, we're, we're going to repaint the walls and we need to come together and we don't need to point fingers and, you know, er, er, er. and they did all that. And then they've now lawyered up and now they're playing the victim. These people are to blame for just not doing their jobs either. And they were board members at the time. So it says, quote, the morning Ethan Crumbly drew a picture of a gun and blood on his math homework sheet and scrawled the words, quote, the thoughts won't stop, help me, unquote, he should have been sent home under the Oxford School District's own threat assessment policy, only it was never used and no one was ever trained for it, two whistleblowers allege. They're not whistleblowers. Not to mention, you heard me say that after this shooting happened a year ago. I said that exact thing. Focus on the school building and the people that work within and the policies that were being ignored. They are to blame. And if the school district doesn't fire them, then they're to blame. But this is not a parental issue. Partying with your your husband or wife and leaving your kid home, it's a bad decision. It's not a crime. Buying a gun for your teenage for your teenage son or daughter when you yourselves are are avid shooters, not knowing your son or daughter's frame of mind and that they actually might want to hurt somebody, that's not a crime either. No one has telepathy. So not a crime. But I'll get into the parents' case in a minute. It continues, it says, instead, they say, school officials caved to Ethan's parents' demands and their son to be returned to the class that morning. When official, that, that's not even true. It was the counselor who sent Ethan back to class. It was the counselor's fault. He's the one who should have all the eyes on him right now. He's the one who should be fired if he isn't already. It says, when officials had the authority to remove him and the bloodshed followed, the teenager shot and killed four classmates, injured six, and other students in a teacher at Oxford High. According to the whistleblowers, finger quotes, they're not really, uh, it was the second time in 24 hours that school officials mishandled Crumbly, alleging the teen also should have been sent home the day before the shooting when he was caught researching bullets on his cell phone in class. Under the district's policy, they say, such activity is grounds for removal. Uh Uh-huh. Still not following policy. Now, see, these school board members could have said that, out of, out of the gate, but they didn't. I set it out of the gate, and I don't even work with these people. <laughs> that's, that's the funniest part. Parents were saying this. There were probably other students saying, uh, well, they just didn't follow their policy. But school board members themselves couldn't do it when they were holding the position themselves. That's a problem. It says whistleblowers quit Oxford School Board frustrated by the district. Oh, see now, the district's the problem. According to these two previous school board members, the district is the problem. I got to tell you, it's the hubris of these people and and the uh, psychological 
whatever you want to call it, projection or dismissal is astounding. It says, quote, by the policy, but the policy was ignored rather that day too, they allege, stressing that the district has thus far tried to keep this information secret and they can't take it anymore. Aw, they're the victims now. Nearly one year after the deadly Oxford school shooting, two former school board members spoke out Monday about what they allege are key missteps in the district before Crumbly carried out the November 30th shooting using a gun and blah, 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 blah. Parents bought him early Christmas present. Okay. He pled guilty. Crumbly did uh, last month and faces up to life in prison with no chance of parole. The whistleblowers, not really, are former school board president Tom Donnelly and treasurer Corey Bailey, both of whom resigned two months ago out of frustration over the district's handling of the shooting investigation. You've heard me say this before. Superintendents, treasurers, and school board presidents all communicate all of the time about everything. They tend to pick the same side. Regardless of the issue, they tend to not go against one another. The other board members, okay, and the parents and the students, those three groups of individuals are irrelevant to a superintendent, a treasurer, and a school board president. Those are really the three in, three singular individuals on a stage who run the show. Everybody else can just come and go as they please, but they all tend to stay on the same page because they think that they're the thread that holds the whole thing together. What they don't understand is, is when their thread gets pulled, it's game over. It goes on to say that no evidence that we've ever used it as it is designed, or whatever the hell that means. Uh, nice sentence. It says, they allege the shooting was preventable had the district followed its own playbook, the outline of which has not previously been divulged to the public. They maintain that Oxford school officials have led the community to believe that they did everything right and that a bad thing still happened. That's what every school does. And that's what they're going to do with the jabs. Mark my words, they're going to do it with those goddamn shots. They're going to do the same thing. We did everything we could to try to keep people safe. We were all tricked. It wasn't our fault. That's the approach they're going to take. It's not going to work. It says, but the facts they allege show that the officials could have prevented the tragedy. Well, of course. It says, standing before reporters Monday, Getting emotional at times, the two former board members leveled fresh allegations against the district, saying that they couldn't stay quiet any longer, especially after discovering a years-old threat assessment policy that they believe could have been thwarted, uh, could have thwarted the tragedy had it been followed. So let me get this straight. We're to believe that two former board members all of a sudden, a year later, randomly found their threat assessment policy and randomly figured out that it wasn't, that it wasn't followed before, during, or after the shooting? Are you kidding me? There's a picture of the guy holding the binder. They didn't just make this up. It's policy. It exists. You can find it in an instant. They knew that they hadn't done it. These two guys tried to cover it up, but they're playing the victim because that's what lawyers want them to do now. Play the victim, and then maybe less eyes will be on you. 
It says, quote, This document changed everything from my perspective, Donnelly said, as he held up the policy modeled after Secret Service recommendations. Quote, There's no evidence that we've ever used it as it is designed, even though since 2011, the policies and guidelines have been in our system. So you've had it that long and you didn't know it existed? Couldn't, couldn't open that folder up and read anything inside? It says the policy referred to as 8400 is listed on Oxford School District's website. Of course it is. I pray for every parent in Michigan watching this today, and then they go back and read the blah, 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 blah. Okay. Again, long story short, they're trying to play the victim. And they're going to keep playing the victim because they themselves broke their own policies, their own contractual obligations, thereby breaking the law. Because someone got killed. People got killed. And now what has that led to? It's led to this. Again, Detroit Free Press, quote, Michigan Supreme Court temporarily halts trial of James and Jennifer Crumbly. Why? Because of insufficient evidence or no evidence. Quote, at issue is whether there was probable cause or sufficient evidence to bind the Crumblies over for trial on charges that seek to hold them responsible for the deaths of four students killed by their son, who used a gun his parents bought him to carry out his crime. Their trial was scheduled for January 17th, after, of course, having been pushed back from this past October. Of course, the prosecutor disagrees because she's corrupt. And as you heard both Jesse and Sandy bring up along with me, their lead witness against the parents is also now in jail and not a credible witness because she's a liar and a criminal. This, this case is over. It's over. The kid's going to go to jail for killing people, as he should. Give him the death penalty. I mean, I'm an eye for an eye kind of guy. If you kill someone, you should be killed. Firing squad, make it quick. That way all of these, you know, you're not going to have all these botched uh, lethal injection things that we consistently hear of. You know, the rope and the bullet have always worked. They've been used for centuries. I, I, don't, I don't understand the problem. But, uh, you know, they got to get fancy with it. Um, either way... The, the positive implications for this are endless because Michigan was attempting to start something that was going to reverberate into every home in the United States of America and beyond, which is, if your child breaks the law and kills someone, you as the parents are going to be held responsible no matter what, in particular if a gun is used. And then we're going to crack down on gun ownership and where you store the gun and how you carry a gun if you even carry a gun. They're always coming for the guns because it's the only thing standing in the way between us and corrupt government. It is our last line of defense, the trigger finger. That's it. They're always coming for it. The gun is in the way between government and us. And they just lost. This will be thrown out. The Supreme Court will have no choice but to throw this out. 
And the Crumblies, as parents, should sue like nobody's business because they've been in shackles for a year for something they didn't even do. They should sue the prosecutor's office. They should sue whoever they want to sue if they can. Seems like they could. I'm not a lawyer, but it seems like they could. It's a victory. You know, they ignored their kid. That's not cool. They didn't sit around and have conversations at the dinner table with him all the time. That's not cool either. Maybe not the most ethically sound people. Doesn't matter. None of that's a crime. And the parents didn't pull the trigger. The kid did. And we didn't pull the trigger either. The kid did. So, you know, victory as far as I'm concerned. And it's a victory again for the victims of the crime and for the, and for the departed because the real problem was the school district all along. The real problem was the counselor, the administrators, and the people who apparently are illiterate and can't even read their own policy, let alone know that it actually exists. It's disgusting, but there you have it. Here's another one. Did you, you hear about this one? And then I have a, a, another very serious one. This one is serious too. It's a very serious story to say the least, but uh, I have another one too that was sent to me by our amazing uh, Louisiana educator who sent me this information, and it's, it's remarkably nefarious. I'll get into that in just a second, but uh, this is from the New York Post. An Arizona teacher is banned from OnlyFans. A Lake Havasaw, Arizona middle school science teacher who was fired after her students stumbled across her pornographic OnlyFans video has been blocked from the platform and has hopefully lost their job. This person is a psycho. In fact, what I want to do is, is I want to play their nonsense explanation that they actually had regarding uh, why they decided to have an OnlyFans account. And it's, it, it, according to them, they're, again, they're not well, probably jabbed, not thinking clearly. They even took pictures of themselves, uh, you know, within their own classroom and posted it on OnlyFans, not necessarily in like lingerie or anything, but uh, they still posted it on there. And um, they're, they're, they're complaining about money. I needed to make money. This is how I needed to make money. Uh, you know, I, I'm a school teacher. We're not paid much in Arizona. We're 50th in the state, blah, blah, blah. Listen to this psycho in three, two, one. My children are the most important thing to me, and I'm already spending countless hours outside of my contract time on extra school activities, and I don't think it's fair that I have to sacrifice my own children's time because our professional salary did not pay enough. Arizona is currently ranked 50th state as lowest paid teacher salary. I created a content at the beginning of the summer in order to earn extra money on the side to help pay for our basic necessities that our salaries were no longer meeting. I chose an anonymous name as well as blocking the entire state of Arizona on my OnlyFans so that it wasn't accessible to anyone living in the state. It was brought to my attention on October 24th that a community member had expressed concerns to the police and my school regarding video content. It's come to my attention that you're a nutbag. It's come to my attention that you don't belong anywhere in a school, let alone around children and probably not your own children. And you're married. Weird. And you're gross. There's that too. 
this person's not well. Padded room. Straight jacket, maybe. You know, uh, I hope they got fired. I mean, yeah, they should have been fired. That should have been the least of their problems. Seems like it could be a crime. Seems like it. I don't think, again, that they were engaging in sexual acts in the classroom on camera with students around or with students not around. But either way, you know, it's certainly negligence, which is enough to get a person fired. So, yeah, I'm, they're gone. But uh, are they going to see any jail? Probably not. And I, again, it may not be a crime, but it's a fireable offense. And, and that's good enough for me. Okay. Here's the next one. This again, I've covered this subject before with Vanessa Hurst, but this is another avenue in the, in the exact same sort of bloodstream of the digital ID for children and school children in particular, but now this is wrapping in and roping in rather parents as well. Again, I'm not going to name the school district, but this is coming from a school district in uh, in Louisiana, and they, they certainly aren't the only ones that have used this system, but it's referred to as LineWise, L-I-N-E-W-I-Z-E, by Family Zone, as it says here. Just in summary, here's basically what this is. This is claiming to be a leading global provider of online safety products and education to create an educational hub for parents and teachers. It says this hub includes articles, videos, courses, and more to ensure you know how to keep your kids safe online. Now, it sounds nice and well-intended. They have copious amounts of articles, which ironically all have the same date. They're all written by a number of different individuals. But it has to do with not just not using particular social media platforms, but if you're going to use them, here's how they want you to use them. And here are some things that you should pay attention to and whatever else. They also steer you away from particular people. Now, I don't necessarily trust Andrew Tate. He says some nice things from time to time, but the dude's probably a Mason and whatever. They have an article on here about Andrew Tate, and they're calling him all kinds of names, a misogynist and, you know, whatever else. He spews hate and vitriol and blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, I, I haven't heard that, but uh, I, don't, I don't trust Masons. Either way, it's, it's a giant propaganda platform. It's a data harvesting platform for not just children again, but for parents as well. They want you to set up a parental, you know, uh, set up parental controls. They have you take a survey. There are a variety of different things that, that they want you to do. And one of the things that's interesting too is, is that there are school districts that have eliminated this once they've introduced it. They've said, you know what, we don't want this anymore because we're not getting the right we're not getting the right answers as to where this data is going and who is harvesting this data for these children. Um, it's it's just it's remarkably nefarious. Not to mention, as you would expect, the groups and companies that are associated with this are things like Google, uh, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, probably Meta. 
Facebook, you name it. So those are just some of the things, but um, yeah, it's, it's propaganda. It's not good. It's government doing their best to replace the parent as being the decision maker and that parents should rely on government to learn how to make decisions regarding their children and they themselves as parents. And of course, they use the word misinformation. In this thing that was sent to me by our Louisiana educator, which is titled Fighting Misinformation Online, Brussels Summit, November 29th of 2022. So this is one of their K-12 school district related propaganda platforms to fight misinformation. Only the gullible would use this. Only the gullible would sign up for this. But what we can see American K-12 schools doing, and they already do it, is they force students to sign up for these, and they force parents and teachers to sign up for these kinds of programs. And they pay for them if they aren't given to the district for free. And then they data mine all of that information for those kids to then, of course, track them from cradle to grave through the entire education system and process as they work their way through each indoctrination camp. That's, that's the general gist of the entire thing. It's awful. Uh, it's continuing to take place in endless schools, and it's just another reason to get rid of it. In fact, there was a well, there was at least one school district. Uh, there have been many, I'm sure, that again implemented this line-wise program, and then they had questions about it, and then they got rid of it and said, "We're we're discontinuing this." Like any corrupt company, they have to have um, public relations groups that work for the company to basically iron out the message and iron out any wrinkles or concerns that the public might have regarding its implementation or its use. They have to do that. But again, if, if one school district somewhere in the United States had serious questions about where this data was going, and parents were bringing up those concerns also, that's all the proof you should need that you have no business participating in this in the first place. The wheel does not need to be reinvented. Anybody who attempts to show up and reinvent the wheel should be cast out of the town or the district as a crazy person. There's no need for it. Because again, the groups that put these things together have nefarious motives. If they didn't have a nefarious motive, they wouldn't be there. They are simply showing up to implement what they want to implement because they're being paid, and then they're being told, again, behind the scenes, we need to data mine all of these children's profiles so that we know exactly what, to, what information to feed them in the future. It happens with regularity, and this is just another one of them, and I wanted to bring that to your attention, and I'm glad that uh, our excellent educator brought this to our attention. In fact, it says right here that a South Carolina Department of Education has apparently decided to get, to get rid of this. So an entire state Department of Education said no. But again, the group is called LineWise, and it says by family zone at the bottom, L-I-N-E-W-I-Z-E. If something like that pops up in your area, 
understand it is not a good thing. Moving on to the jabs now. And let me bring this up briefly briefly first, and I'll read a little bit from this. Do you recall back in, oh, what was that? May, I believe? Where the WHO and the World Economic Forum were having their little uh, worldwide pandemic treaty thing? Well, of course, that happened, and they agreed that they're going to move forward with their plans and XYZ. And a lot of individuals here in our country were saying, well, that can't be implemented here because, uh, you know, we didn't vote on it and it's not constitutional. Well, that's fine and dandy, but totalitarianism doesn't need a constitution to act and neither does evil. So, you know, there's that major point. This is from the World Health Organization, though, because they're doubling down on their little uh, well, it's not little at all. Their their world pandemic treaty thing. This is a statement from the WHO, and it is titled "Strengthening Our Collective Health Security Architecture is an Urgent Task." Address of the WHO Regional Director for Europe at the High Level Conference: COVID nineteen lessons learned and looking ahead to ensure a stronger EU health security framework. And this was on November 22nd of 2022. Uh, It's a rather long statement, but it does say the following, and I do want to read this particular section. It says says this. It says, in addition, two key member state-led processes have been launched. And it says the following. Uh, It says, number one, the Working Group on Amendments to the IHR whatever that is, and the Intergovernmental Negotiating Body to draft and negotiate a WHO convention, agreement, or other international instrument on pandemic prevention, preparedness, and response. The point is, is that this is a one-world government. This is exactly what these people are doing. This is exactly what they're scheming to do on a constant basis, that every single agency right down to the local county level in the United States all behave the same. And again, for anyone to say that it hasn't already happened before because it did two years ago, or for those people to say that it's not going to happen again in the future, those people are foolish. They're beyond foolish. The European Union is working on this, European countries and the people who run them, who of course are remarkably corrupt and remarkably evil, they're working on this too. That's exactly what this is. It says, quote, in their last paragraph, they are striving for for pan-European unity and never leave any country or any person behind. They want us dead. And that's what they're saying here. And they're going to kill people with their policies because they don't have to do it with guns. They've even said that a century ago. They don't have to fire a shot. All they have to do is just bleed people dry monetarily and then with policy like this regarding people's health and well-being and they'll kill off as many people as they want. This is still going on. This is still a big deal. This is not made up. This is not pretend. 
Constitution of the United States has nothing to do with this. That's been ignored the entire time, too. They don't care. They just don't. So understand that that's a thing. If you want to read the whole statement, I will link it in the description below. Uh, yeah, so there you go. There's that. Moving on with a few other jab-related things. Um, this is from AmericaOutloud.com, and it's, it's titled, Robert Malone Sues the Bregans for $25 Million by Peter Bregan, Medical Doctor, and Ginger Bregan. This is from a few days ago. It says the following. At the ages of 71 and 86, Ginger and I are in the fight for our lives. In all of our years of doing reform work, no individual and no group has ever been so intensively and persistently attacking us on a personal level as Dr. Robert Malone, starting ever since August of 2022 when we criticized his concept of mass formation psychosis in depth without even mentioning his name. Dr. Robert Malone filed a lawsuit on October 30th of 2022 against the Bregans, seeking damages for $25,350,000 or $25 million for short. Why would Dr. Malone make this claim so large over $25 million? The effect of what he is doing should be obvious. It threatens us with financial ruin, and it ties up our energies. Does he want to make us too afraid and too exhausted to criticize his public policy theories and his numerous highly destructive attacks on leaders of the health freedom movement. The defamation suit, meaning libel and slander, was filed in the United States District Court of Western District of Virginia, Charlottesville Division. Since, uh, I'm sorry, service has been discussed between the lawyers for both sides and agreed to, but it has not been completed. The suit, already filed and ready to be unleashed, has had a suppressive impact on our planning and activities over the past two weeks. Contrary to some rumors, we have never made personal attacks against him, and indeed the complaint that is filed in court focuses on our scientific and public political disagreements with him. However, Malone's defamation claims focus on our public policy differences. Much of it relates to opinions and analysis we already documented in our book, COVID-19 and the Global Predators, We Are the Prey. It says, we have not defamed Malone. In our entire 110-plus combined years of reform work, no one has ever threatened us with a defamation suit because we simply do not defame people. I, again, very quickly, I'm not a lawyer, but I do understand defamation. You have to be able to prove that they cost you money and that it was their words alone that cost you money in order to file a defamation lawsuit. Robert Malone cannot prove that. The public knows who Robert Malone is, knows that he had a hand in creating the messenger RNA. He claims that the kind that's been used allegedly in these jabs is not the kind that he alleged, allegedly created, that it's been manipulated and it's not his fault, don't look over here kind of thing. And even Stu Peters, of course, has criticized him, as has Dr. Jane Ruby, and that's even mentioned in this article that the Bregans wrote themselves. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, Robert Malone, you know, he's, I, I, I'm not a fan, not a fan. Never really have been. 
uh, but certainly not now. Let's see. It says Dr. Malone's unprecedented attacks on us exceeded only one, only by one decades ago. Except for one occasion, we have never had to endure such personal attacks, not even from the psychosurgeons in the 1970s whose lobotomy practices my international campaign closed down and whose research institute, led by Harvard's director of neurosurgery, lost all its government funding. Not even from the Electroshock Company and their cabal that in 2018 was forced by a medical legal report in a product case to inform the FDA that the medical world that shock treatment causes brain damage. Not even the U.S. government agency director who lost his job and his many other compromised colleagues whose eugenical racist program Ginger, quote-unquote, and I program Ginger and I, sorry, forced to shut down. Their huge interagency program was about to be funded by Congress to do eugenical research on intercity children, quote unquote, from in the womb to adulthood to find biological and genetic causes for their alleged propensity for violence. It continues, it says, one more dangerous set of circumstances. Uh, The only other time in our lives that we have been so threatened was in the early 1990s. I had been approved as a single medical expert confirmed by a federal federal judge to review all the discovery from Eli Lilly regarding alleged harms from Prozac for a consortium of attorneys handling approximately 150 cases involving suicide, murder, and psychosis. Of course, Eli Lilly tried to discredit me in a myriad of ways, but the federal judge approved my credentials for appointment as the sole scientific expert for reviewing discovery, and the judge for the first trial would do the same. I was qualified to testify not only about psychiatric drugs, but also about the corporate and FDA approval process. I was empowered by the courts to have access to all of Eli Lilly's secret files about the development and marketing of Prozac, including all the clinical trials and all FDA correspondence. It says, what near disaster happened next? It says, my position as the central scientific expert for all the dozens of lawsuits against Eli Lilly was not merely a threat to that one drug company. Multiple other companies had Prozac-like drugs, such as Zoloft and Paxil, coming down the pipeline. Many financial interests had motives to do what happened next. In fact, we had many threats against our lives and contacted the FBI about one of them. We consulted with local police about wearing vests and carrying a gun, both of which we eventually decided not to do. You should always carry a gun, but whatever. It says, as we were getting nearer to my initial deposition against Eli Lilly, everyone in our house became progressively sicker from week to week. I and Ginger, And our daughter became chronically ill with exhaustion and with dry, nagging upper respiratory infections. Multiple visits to physicians could find no cause. This went on probably for a couple of months until a plumber found uh, on a routine job was aghast to find that someone had entered our basement and removed the chimneys from our coveted oil, I'm sorry, converted oil burner and the gas water heater spilling fumes and particles into the house. Then says, we are not complainers. 
We are not complainers, and we have rarely talked about what we have been through as freedom fighters together for the past 40 years and decades before then as individuals, nor do we feel sorry for ourselves. By our deeds, we have earned our enemies, and the good that has come from our work has confirmed our choice on how to live. He continues, discusses his book a little bit, a little bit more about personal safety. Uh, It says, is Dr. Malone merely protecting himself and his new career transition from the man who invented mRNA vaccines, quote unquote, one of the worst disasters in human history, to a man who is leading the health freedom fight on a worldwide level? Or is Malone's mass psychosis concept being further developed and used by others such as the Department of Defense or the intelligence community? Malone has boasted about his deep state background. Quote, I have historically worked with people who have been truly deep state intelligence community. I have decades of experience in biodefense. I have been deep in the belly of the beast. I have won literally billions of dollars for my clients in grants and contracts. I have managed hundreds of millions of dollars in grants and contracts in the vaccine space. Malone has stated that these deep state connections have been served and no longer have influence over him. Let's see. More threats. Again, Malone called him, apparently. It says, next on September 5th, in a short phone call, Malone issued a first legal threat against me and hung up immediately. The voice, very dark, demanding tone, is this Dr. Peter Bregan? And he said, yes thinking it was spam and ready to hang up, the voice on the other end said, This is Dr. Malone. Why are you targeting me? I will have to send you a cease and desist letter. Me, he said, Bregan said, are you threatening me? Ginger, it's Malone on the phone. And then his wife said, what's he saying? And then Peter said, I'll put him on speaker. And then Malone hung up. It also said this just before. It said, On October 19th, 2022, an extreme left-wing magazine, The Daily Beast, quoted an interview with Malone about his April 26, 2022 demand letter sent to Ginger and me as well as to other entities. In his interview with The Daily Beast, Malone attacks journalists Stu Peters and Jane Ruby by name and mentions us as, quote, two allied conspiracy theorists, unquote, without naming us. Malone's motives in making available to the Daily Beast the contents of this relatively private demand letter are unclear, but the result is a grand humiliation of the health freedom movement. The Daily Beast declares in its headline, quote, inside the anti-vaxxer civil war, unquote. Yet Malone regularly presents himself as wanting to bring people together and end conflict in the movement. Who does this sound like? Who does Robert Malone sound like? If you said to yourself, Simone Gold, you might be correct. They sound similar in their motives and their actions and their dismissal of their own involvement in whatever it may be, purposely dividing people. Again, whatever it is. I'm going to end the article there. The point is, is that when individuals know more than other individuals, regardless of the jobs that they have had, it's difficult for the people who believe that they are holier than thou, that someone else might know a little bit more than they do. 
You've heard me say this. You walk up to a virologist and you say viruses aren't real. It's a made up story. It's completely fake. They will flip out. They'll flip out. Watch any discussion between Dr. Kaufman and Dr. Mikovits, and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. The two of them have gone back and forth. Mikovits, again, a virologist, believes viruses are real. No, they have names. We've isolated them, blah, blah, blah. Kaufman goes, no, you haven't. The only thing that you've ever done is extract poisonous cells that look different from other poisonous cells outside of a human body. You give them these made-up names, viruses or this virus or this number or that series of letters or whatever it may be, and you call them viruses, but they aren't. They're human cells that have been abnormalized as a result of coming in contact with poison. It's the exact same reaction that Robert Malone would have if you were to tell him viruses aren't real. He'd flip out because his entire existence would crumble to the ground. This is the problem with these holier-than-thou people. They think they've got it all figured out instead of just understanding that the true nature of learning is unlearning. And you've got to unlearn first. Which leads me to this. Uh, you've probably heard of Dr. Naomi Wolf. Again, I don't know where she comes from. I, she just kind of showed up one, one day. Uh, certainly started to make numerous appearances on Real America's Voice. And certainly with Steve Bannon. Uh, she does a lot of writing, has a substack as well. Large audience, that's fine. You know, she, she's brought up again these shots and, and what they're doing with children. And I'm, and I'm glad that she's done that because she's right. She's not taking it into specific professions like education, which is what I have done because, I mean, let's not kid ourselves. This is where children congregate. This is the child's job, so to speak, is American K 12 schooling. This is where the vast majority of them go. So, you know, going a little deeper down that rabbit hole for Dr. Naomi Wolf may be a little difficult, but that would be worth going down if I was her. I mean, you can leave it up to me. I do it all the time and I'll keep doing it. But, you know, she wrote a Substack pretty recently here where she was basically just like, hey, I'm sorry I haven't written a Substack in so long. I'm just having a hard time coming to grips with what's happening with these children in the shots. Well, get over it. It's war. They're collateral damage. They're the target also. And it's war. And yes, children are dying, copious amounts of them. And the ones, again, that are being injured are going to die in the future too from, from the injuries that they have sustained thus far. But I just wish that some of these people would go a little deeper down the rabbit hole instead of just, you know, I don't know, getting a little uncomfortable and then uh, whining about how uncomfortable they are, I guess. It, I, I, don't, I don't understand it, but to each their own, I suppose. Um, just a few more headlines, and then what I want to do is, is I've got some posts from Great Awakening that I want to I read here that I think are remarkably important, and it has to do with people's observations of what the jabs are doing to their family members, in particular regarding memory. Um, and and this, is, this is interesting stuff, but here's, here's just a quick headline again. This comes from nature.com from the, uh, let's see, from a scientific report. Again, it basically is a giant, 
it, well, it's not giant, but it is, I'm just going to summarize it very quickly. It's a multi-author, most of which seem to be uh, Japanese, that uh, back in September of this year, that the shots don't work. Weird. That the mRNA vaccine causes the ACE2 receptors to have positive cells, thereby causing a therapeutic antibody response that is not therapeutic at all. So there you go. Shots don't work, so says at least half a dozen uh, Japanese researchers. Again, we, we didn't need that to figure that out, but you know it's worth knowing. Here's another one, Citizen Free Press, again, regarding the jabs. mRNA turns into DNA in six hours. It alters our DNA permanently. We know this for a fact. This is not... This is not new. This has been going on since, you know, a very long time. This is the point. You don't tamper with DNA. It's God's creation. He made it. Leave it alone. But these people love altering God's creation, which makes them satanic. That's the entire point. This comes from the expose. Title. Secret CDC report confirms half a million American children and young adults have died since COVID vaccine rollout, and a UK government report confirms it's likely due to the COVID vaccination. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, that's correct. And they've got, again, just like the expose does, they've got the charts, they've got the numbers, the stats. It's all there. It's all there all the time. All right. Uh, Let's see. This first one. This has to do with the jab ingredients, which I think is, this is an interesting post without a doubt, and I'm going to read it in its entirety. It says the following. It says, quote, I gathered all vaccine ingredients into a list and contacted poison control. After intros and such, and asking to speak with someone tenured and knowledgeable, This is the gist of that conversation. Quote, this person asked, my question to, asked poison control, my question to you is how are these ingredients categorized as benign or poison? I ran a few ingredients. Yeah, I ran a few ingredients. Formaldehyde, tween 80, mercury, aluminum, phenozenethal, if I'm saying that right, Potassium phosphate, sodium phosphate, sorbitol, etc. Poison control responded, well, that's quite a list. But I have to easily say that they're all toxic to humans. Used in fertilizers, pesticides, to stop the heart, to preserve a dead body. They're registered with us in different categories, but pretty much poisons. Why? They asked. The person responded, If I were deliberately to feed or inject my child with these ingredients often, as a schedule, obviously I'd put my daughter in harm's way. But what would legally happen to me, they asked. Poison control said, odd question, but you'd likely be charged with criminal negligence, perhaps with intent to kill, and of course child abuse. Your child would be taken away from you. Do you know of someone who's doing this to their child? 
This is criminal. The person responded, an industry. These are the ingredients used in vaccines. With binding agents to make sure the body won't flush these out, to keep the antibody levels up indefinitely. The poison control person responded, what? Your conclusion, they said. The man was beside himself. He asked if I would email him all this information. He wanted to share it with his adult kids who are parents. He was horrified and felt awful he didn't know. His kids are vaccinated and they have health issues, unquote. And then again, it goes on this giant list of all of the ingredients that tend to be in flu shots and all vaccines. DNA from pigs, human embryonic lung tissue cell cultures, E. coli, acetone, African green monkey kidney cells, human diploid uh, fibroblast cells, which are aborted fetal cells, fetal bovine serum, few other words I can't pronounce, polysorbate 80, polysorbate 20, uh, thermosol or mercury, aluminum hydroxide, aluminum phosphate, and aluminum salts, along with countless other things, and it has all these diseases listed as well, formaldehyde, formalane, etc., etc., etc. So there you go. It's safe to assume, of course, that those are in the COVID shots as well, because they are. Here's the next post, and again, this is the one that has to do with a story of an individual talking about their parents, and I'll conclude with this. It says, quote, My mom and dad's memory are obliterated. I'm certain it is vax-related. Anyone else? It says, quote, My father, who was fine two years ago, is literally retarded and has asshole tendencies all of the sudden. My mother is way better, until on Thanksgiving, she put the turkey back in the oven after it was fully cooked for hours. Ruined turkey. These retarded mistakes keep happening even since that shot. What in the fuck is going on, anyone else? Question mark, unquote. It says the following again in the comments section, and there are a ton of comments. I don't know if I'll be able to read all of these, but there is a bunch. Uh, the first one says, I have noticed it in many of my vaxxed colleagues and in-laws. Confusion, strange behavior, combativeness. Another one says, remember when the doctors and nurses were dancing around? We will never forget. It continues. Uh, here's one, a longer one. It says, quote, my parents, two aunts, one uncle, and my dad have had a V-fib heart attack about four, maybe five weeks ago, right before Hurricane Ian ran over us. With everything that's happened, it's hard to keep track of just how long ago. He went down right in front of me, took me, uh, sorry, took me doing chest compressions and my youngest son breathing for him until the paramedics got there. And they had to work on him with a defibrillator for 25 minutes before he was stable enough to even be transported. The man basically was dead for at least 25 minutes. Doctors put in two stints after clearing out two fully clogged arteries and a defibrillator in his chest. But even, but I'm sorry, it says, but when asked, the cardiologist refused to say exactly what the clogs were made of. Mom wasn't with it mentally enough to ask. Neither were her sisters. 
I asked. The only time we ever were actually able to talk to them was right after the procedure, quote-unquote, for the stint replacement, or stint placements. It says, in this particular hospital, doesn't give out doctor's numbers to call and ask them any questions. It's a practice that just went into effect during the post-COVID here in Volusia Volusia County, Florida. Volusia County. Uh, It says, let's see. Dad spent a week in ICU, one week in a normal hospital room, and two weeks in a rehab facility. He's still so weak, I'm not really sure how long we'll have him around. For those that don't know, the ventricular fibrillation heart attack is called the Widowmaker. I think it messed his cognition a little bit too, but he's already mentally declining before. So was mom and both her sisters. Oddly enough, my other aunt, dad's sister, is 77, not coof vaxxed, and is more fit than most women her age, and she's doing just fine. Go figure. Uh, Let's see. It says this, here's another post. It says, my mom started repeating shit all the time, now has cancer, already last month, already lost most hair after TWO chemo treatments. My dad seemed okay mentally after shots, but keeled over and died from a head injury from that. Something had gone haywire in his head and was just like filling with blood. So yeah, uh, definite fuckery. I'm fucking still pissed. They just don't want to see it. Uh, It talks about the spike protein, etc., etc. Here's another one. It says this, quote, I was helping a friend of mine in his 70s, vaxxed to the max, get his lawn tractor running for his fall cleanup routine, and I diagnosed that the battery was dead, has dead cells, won't take a charge. So he pulled it out, and we went and bought a new one. The next day I returned to help him, and he says to me, quote, I feel like I'm missing two to three years of my memory. The statement shocked me, and I asked, what do you mean? Like completely missing, like you were in a coma for years or something? He says, well, like the battery for the tractor. I could have sworn that I bought it just two or two and a half years ago, but when I turned in the core, I looked at the date on it, and it was bought five years ago. The same time, I got a new battery for my boat. I remember buying them very clearly, and it felt like it was just two years ago. I asked him a few questions, and he does remember things we did in the last three years, but his mind is compressing it down to one year. He feels like we did it all in the last year. I haven't had a chance to question him more, but I have observed that he is not doing the things he used to love doing outdoors the way he used to. I figured probably age catching up to him, but now thinking it, the shots, seemed to have dulled him, mentally and physically. There was always a light in his eyes and an excitement in his attitude. Both faded right after the first shot. Unquote. Here's another one, rather quick. Uh, It says, quote, I have a guy at work who's a CNN Max Vax and he tells me the same GD story every fucking day for the last year now. 
He even asked me last week if I've ever been to this particular bar nearby, and I've been there with him three times. He's like 52 years old, unquote. I'm going to keep reading these. I know that these are depressing, um, but we have to understand that we're not alone in this, and, and being prepared for these kinds of things is important. Um, again, I, you know, I hate to end on such a sour note with this stuff, but I, I find I find these stories fascinating for a variety of reasons. It uh, it it tickles the qualitative reasoning and analysis person in me, um, and and the medical person in me as well. But um, yeah, let me let me read a few more here. A lot of people too, by the way, are commenting on things like customer service that they're calling people and they're getting a particular issue fixed, and then the people will consistently call them back. And say, um, we've noticed that you that you know you have a problem. Did we fix that for you? And they're going, yeah, you fixed it. Stop calling me. But then they just keep calling. Did we fix that problem for you? I mean, that could just be a customer service habit. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, let me see. Here's another one. It says, I know several people who were put on statin drugs, and this happened. Angry outbursts, confusion. Apparently, it eats the cholesterol in the brain, but maybe the vax too, unquote. Here's another one. It says, I have an aunt in her 70s that started to develop short-term memory loss recently. Found out she got the vax. I don't know when the symptoms started. I know for a fact that she was fine in 2020. It'll be a hell of a coincidence if this started post-vax, unquote. Another person said, my mother-in-law. It's heartbreaking. I can't trust her to watch our son because she's so scatterbrained and clumsy now. She complete, she's completely different since her first booster and, of course, continues to get them. Unquote. Uh, another person said, my mom died as a result of the COVID vaccines on Veterans Day of 2021. She paid the ultimate price, in my opinion. And I'll end with this. Uh, person says the following, quote, I can relate, but I'm afraid my mother is way worse than just reheating turkey. My mother did not want the shot. She was having some mild dementia-related things going on, forgetting familiar names, forgetting the, forgetting the burners on the stove are on, general forgetting. However, my sister talked my mother into going to a drive through shot clinic. Fast forward about three months, and she doesn't know who anyone is. Walks probably 10 miles a day in circles around the house. Doesn't know what season or month it is. Cannot cook or use the coffee maker. It's so sad. She's also constantly irate and sometimes abusive. My sister keeps trying to put her in a home, but she would literally have to be drugged up all the time. The costs of nursing homes is crazy expensive, much less one dealing with what average people would consider someone who is clinically combative and experiencing psychosis. I personally would like to watch God's judgment on my sister over the whole thing. Much more involved, but it's clear to everyone she is trying hard to put both my parents in the grave. Unquote. This is having an impact on our society across the world as well that has never happened before at a rate that has never happened before. I encourage people to share these episodes again where you can. 
People have got to know that this is going on. This is not going to go away. This is going to continue to be a massive thing. And the likes of Charlie Kirk and these other dimwits are never, ever going to bring any of this up because they aren't bringing it up. They're suppressing it. We cannot suppress this, ladies and gentlemen. This is the collapse of all of these industries, all these institutions, and we're watching it in real time. So, truth bombs galore, but that's the way that it has to be going forward. And we'd better get comfortable with it because we're going to have to deal with it one way or another. Have a great weekend, everybody. Take a deep breath. Take a relax. You know, some relaxing breaks, clearly. Again, as Rush Limbaugh said, turn it off. Just turn it all off for a while. And then recharge and then come right back to it. Because I'll be here, hopefully. I'll still be here doing this. So I'll catch you on Monday. Again, have a great weekend. Take care. Peace. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.